Today's show is brought to you by our new sponsor, Cog Network. Cog Network, geared for gain. Cog Network is hedge fund investing evolved. By owning Cog Network tokens, you get exposure to the hedge fund's gains. The hedge fund is comprised of algorithmically traded commodity futures and investment in hard assets related to energy. The first hard asset is partial ownership of a multi-million dollar solar farm that has a crypto mining operation attached. I mean, this is really something that both traditional and crypto investors can come together and participate in. So for traditional investors, they can get exposure to cutting edge blockchain technology in a framework that they're familiar with, a hedge fund, right? And crypto investors can get exposure to an actual security that bears dividends and includes non-crypto assets. So that's super cool. And just for full disclosure, Cog Network is a fully registered and regulated entity qualified by the SEC as a Reg D as well as a Reg S and has a 506C exemption. They've been working with lawmakers since 2017 to get this idea built out in a fully compliant way. Crypt Nation, if you guys are interested in learning more about a tokenized hedge fund, go visit www.cog.network. What's up, good citizens of Crypt Nation? Pizza Mind here with Bryce Paul. Bryce, how you doing, man? Are you getting tired of being cooped up inside the house yet? <laughs> What's up, Pete? It's good to have you back, man. Things have been, uh, let's just say I'm feeling a little uh, stressed out with uh, being cooped up, and I feel like a caged animal. You know, I'm one of those guys who likes to go out on the weekends uh, to the bars or to different clubs and stuff. Uh, me and my girlfriend like to, to hang out with our friends and and party, man. Uh, but we haven't been able to do that because everything here in California is quarantined, shut down. I mean, if you guys are listening in different countries that still have, uh, you know, bars and restaurants open, count your blessings and don't take anything for granted. If you if you guys are in in the middle of the, of the United States, where some country or some bars and uh, you know places of gathering, the bowling alley, whatever it is, the movie theater, even just don't take anything for granted. Uh, because it's been a month of just nothing here, just staying inside, working from home, sleeping at home, not seeing any friends. It's just I'm finally starting to feel the effects of this lockdown, and it's a little depressing. Um, but, you know, th- th- I think it's all going to come to pass. I mean, the economy, we're already starting to see really a, a V-shaped bottom forming here, uh, both in the crypto markets and in the traditional markets. Uh, yeah. Yeah, rebounding nicely. But on the bright side, like there's a worldwide catastrophe going on and you are home safe. Just remember that. And for all the next years like me, this is a great opportunity to (laughs) jump online, play some old video games. See, we're not the only one on the server for the first time in five years. Um, My lifestyle really hasn't changed at all. I hardly noticed anything going on. It's been nice and quiet. Got to have some really nice one-on-one time with my cat Clyde as he gets into his older years. So um, I hope that um, when society returns to normal, our pets don't freak out that we're starting to go to work again and there's strange people coming by the house all of a sudden. (laughs) No, it's so true, man. Uh, But the cool thing is, like, you know, we're obviously working in an industry that doesn't slow down, that always has really new and exciting innovation. Uh, And, and, you know, crypto is just it's just so fun. And, you know, the, the greatest thing about my job is that it is a very social job, right? You know, we're, we're here on the podcast. Yep. Uh, for, for all the members of Crypt Nation that are listening, you know, we're a thousand strong there. Um, and if you guys want to find out more about joining like our, our private group to learn how we trade the markets and learn exactly 
you know, what we think of the markets. You know, I do a daily, uh, daily emails as well as a weekly newsletter. Uh, I post all my technical analysis and charts and studies. We got, you know, hours and hours and hours of uh, video content that you guys could learn from. Uh, if you go to CryptoRevolution.com uh, or even check out Crypto101Insider.com, uh, a lot of really fun and exciting things that we're doing over there. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too, feeling too depressed because we do speak, again, with experts in the space every day. And today, uh, we have a really fun guest. Uh, this is a guy who I've spoken to recently, um, and they're doing a lot of really exciting things. So we're going to bring on Ami Ben-David uh, from Monera. Uh, Ami, welcome to Crypto 101 Podcast. Excited to have you join us. Hi, guys. Thanks you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, how you been feeling with this whole lockdown thing going? Where, where are you based out of and how does it affect your life? So I'm based in London. And uh, before uh, this crisis started, I used to be uh, spend at least uh, a week a month abroad, uh, mainly in New York, uh, uh, Asia trips uh, uh, across Europe and so on. And, and suddenly I'm at home for three months in a row. That's uh, unheard of. So that's uh, actually a, a nice side of it, and yeah. uh, trying to get to trying to get used to uh, to doing business over over Zoom and uh, and see how that works. Uh, so that's uh, all new to me. Yeah, no, it is something that um, you know a lot of the the business that I conduct uh, is through Zoom and has been through Zoom, and so it is cool to see the entire rest of the world get on the platform and uh, really really take a liking to remote work. And I mean, not a liking, but a necessity. But I think. One of the the second order effects, I should say, of this whole lockdown is, you know, it's going to be really hard to convince people to get back in the office. Uh, people that have been comfortable and and even back on the road as much as they were. Like this was a a complete shockwave that got sent through the psychology and you know the social fabric of the world, whereby we're no longer traveling as much, and we're going to see that it's actually not a bad thing. And I think that it's going to actually going forward, change the way that we seriously, you know, do work. Uh, I, I think companies are going to have a really hard time, you know, keeping their leases because they're going to realize that, you know, that's an overhead cost that you just, most companies and businesses don't need now. Um, so it's going to be hard for, you know, real estate, I think, to manage cash flows on that side. But that's kind of just a little tangent that I've been thinking about. Oh, yeah, about 100%. It? Um I mean, I'm thinking of all these huge high rises in downtown LA and San Francisco that are going to become empty and abandoned at some point. And then you've got all the homeless people on the streets. You know, maybe uh, they can figure out how to convert some of these skyscrapers into communal living or something like that. It'd be nice to see an evolution of thought and use of land. But, um, you know, speaking of real estate, we always talk about, you know, when's are we going to have tokenized real estate and other securities? Uh, and um, one of our new sponsors for Crypto 101 is Cog Network. They're a digital security as well. So we wanted to learn some more about that topic today. So, I mean, we want to pick your brain. You are the uh, founder of a really cool platform called Onera, which is helping institutions create digital securities. So the first thing, you know, I think that our listeners are wondering is what's the difference between a cryptocurrency and a digital security um uh, there's different uh, as you know the difference between i don't know having uh, money and having ownership of a house uh, one is about ownership of of an asset and one is about having something that you can uh, store value in or trade and so on so they're actually very different and and they're very different in their in their use case, they're different in in the legal uh, and regulatory environment around them. 
while uh, crypto, uh, you know, had to deal with, basically invented a new world. So it was very hard for regulators, still hard for regulator and, and the law to actually absorb and understand uh, digital securities are just automating uh, securities which have always existed. So yes, we have some uh, some things that we have to solve and so on, but it's a much more kind of established world that we're basically bringing into the digital realm from the analog world. Very fascinating. What was kind of the impetus for starting this company and when was it started? So this company was started uh, last year, I think, almost uh, j- just a year ago in, in beginning of April last year. But uh, my journey into digital security started earlier. Actually, two and a half years ago, I was, uh, uh, I was a co-founder in a, in, in a, in a VC fund. Uh, before that, I was a, uh, uh, an inventor and, and a founder of, of several companies, mainly in the, in the mobile space, uh, games, uh, uh, some AI, uh, casual games, not the type of games I think that you might be playing. Um, and, um, and, and, and it came the time for me to, to, to join a venture capital fund. And, and about that time, uh, blockchain started becoming uh, big and exciting and, and crypto started happening. And, and we said to ourselves, uh, what if we took this fund and we put the equity of the fund or, or the subscription of the fund uh, on a blockchain and make it more, more liquid for investors? Because usually investing in a VC fund is a very illiquid uh, investment. You put money right, and you wait seven years or up. until, yeah, <laughs> completely tied up. So we thought, can we make our fund liquid on the blockchain? Uh, the fund uh, was called the Spice VC. And, and so what, I, what we did at the time is we went to all the platforms that launched uh, ICOs at the time and we wanted to launch with them and nobody wanted to touch it because uh, we were a security and uh, the whole crypto world thought that they could... Uh, uh, you know, go around uh, uh, securities laws by by doing uh, crypto, and obviously by now we all know that it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, so, but at the time, at the time there was just no solution. So we ended up pretty much inventing what's called today security tokens or digital securities, and we we launched the world's uh, first, I would say, regulation compliant token, which actually in the smart contract verifies the regulation of who can transfer and who can buy and, and so on. And we launched it. And the fund was, you know, it's a great thing, but 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 what was really interesting that was born out of it was the whole concept of tokenizing uh, security. So I was really one of the first people in the world to do that. Um, and, and, and while doing that and, and, you know, co-founding companies in the space and investing as an investor in, in several startups in the space, I realized that you know we were all trying to sell security tokens to the crypto audience, and it, 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 there was no match. The crypto audience is, is is what I would call retail audience. It's large; everybody can invest, and it's great. While securities, private securities especially, mostly are are targeting accredited investors in the U.S. and therefore it's a much more of a, of an institutional kind of space. And institutions were just not getting into the blockchain. So that's how Onera was born. Onera was born to bring the security tokens that were actually inve- invented in, in originally in crypto to bring it to the institutional world, to the big investors, to the big banks, to the uh, you know big pension funds and, and big uh, you know uh, family offices and so on. So actually bringing up to the to the big leagues where you know trillions of dollars are traded rather than uh, you know billions. Mm-hmm. C- could you talk about the stack 
the security tokens stack. You know, we we talk a lot about maybe platforms like Tezos where you could issue um, a digital security on top of, but you need a lot more of supporting infrastructure around that base layer platform uh, in order to have these uh, securities traded around legally uh, by different parties and onboarding. And there's just so much that goes into it. So could you kind of lay out, you know, from the bottom to the top, Whereas, you know, maybe the bottom is, you know, the infrastructure similar to what we might think of as the internet, right? Just that base layer social uh, thing that kind of connects us all that communication layer all the way to the very top where you have your front end, where you could be a hedge fund uh, buying uh, digital securities, or you could be a consumer uh, actually interfacing with an app or something. Uh, What does that whole stack from bottom to top look like? So uh, at the bottom of it, as you said, there's the, there's the blockchain itself. And the blockchain is basically managing ownership. Uh, it's a, it's, ownership is a simple list. It says this person or this entity has those rights in this asset. That's all it is. Uh, and these rights are established and, and are accepted by society. And therefore, if somebody breaks into your house that is yours, then you can call the police and you know you, you can go to the judge and, and get relief. Right. Okay? The, it inf- so it's the, uh, it the enforcer, the rule enforcer layer. <laughs> Basically, the, the ledger, the list of who owns what. And this, these lists actually before blockchain, there are basically hundreds of thousands of them. There's a, a list for, uh, for who owns the house and, house and there's a list for different companies. And, and then if you buy Apple shares on, on the stock exchange, there's a list that holds, uh, Apple doesn't know who the, who the holders of their securities are. There's goes through multiple levels of ownership. So there's a lot of lists of who, who owns what, and all of them have to settle between them whenever a transaction is made. And that's a cause for massive uh, inefficiency and the whole thing is not optimized or from very far from optimized. So the promise of, of the, the base layer is basically to have one list that says who owns what, that is accepted by everybody, that is distributed across so that everybody can see who owns what and nobody can say, oh, that didn't happen. And you have full history of the ownership of how it changed hands and so on. So you have a clear and simple way where you don't need basically layers and layers of settlement, but the whole settlement can be done at that base layer. So this is the, I would say, the, the big promise to have a, a one ledger of ownership. And that's why we call the, the platform Onera because it, it really is about ownership, about a list of who owns what. That's the, the most basic elements. Uh, on top of that, you start to have layers of technology that deal with, for example, the regulatory aspects of who is allowed to hold a specific uh, security under a specific jurisdiction or under a specific law, who they can sell it to, when they can sell it to, and so on. So we know you know, public securities where you can buy them and you can go to the NASDAQ and, and basically buy buy a share. But there are rules that uh, govern who can sell, uh, you know, a private security and what they can say about the security. And the rules really change from one country to another. So this is a whole layer that has to be developed. Then you need to have a layer that manages the actual, the management of the issuance of assets, what we call a primary issuance or so the issuance of the of the assets where, uh, the tokens are being created, they're being attached to the, the rights and then you know, uh, offered to investors. And then you need to have the management of the wallets or, or, or the other ways in which uh, investors hold their securities, their tokens in this case. And then the last layer on top of that will be the secondary exchanges where you can actually trade. So all of these layers exist in the, in the old world, okay, in very unoptimized, very, very kind of complicated way. And 
could theoretically be replicated into the digital world on a blockchain in a much, much, much simpler and more efficient way. So, uh, so that, that's the structure, uh, if you were asking me. I think, I think this is the, um, it's worth to give a simple Perfect. example of, of how this thing actually works and then maybe connect that to the, to the structure that I described. So think, for example, about uh, a, you know, a typical startup. Okay, I, I founded a few startups and what happens typically is the founders come together and they set up a company. Okay, and then uh, somebody comes in to invest. So everybody goes to the lawyer and we draft the document and then everybody signed the document. And then another investor come. So we go to the lawyers again and we draft a new document with new specifics and so on. Everybody, you know, have a three week of negotiation and sign this document. And then more investors and more investors. And in, in the end, what you have is a mountain of documents. Okay, and each one of those documents defines the different uh, classes and who owns what and, and so on. So it's, it's quite complicated. And because it's quite complicated, it's, it's very hard to move these, uh, these shares from one, one person to another. So liquidity is almost uh, impossible in that structure. And in the end, what you get is you get an Excel sheet called the cup table. And the cup table will show you who owns what. Okay. So all of this complexity in the digital world can be brought down to a, basically a screen where you log in, you see a security, you want to invest, you click one button, you see what the, what the contract is, you like it, you click invest, and then, and then you're, you're a holder. So it's very, very easy to, theoretically, once you've built the infrastructure and the software, the front end is extremely simple. And it replaces all of these processes that you have in, in, in private investments today, which are expensive, slow, uh, limited in scope, and so on. So uh, this is an example of a very, very simple uh, use case for a security token. That makes a lot of sense. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, uh, you could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money, and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at etoro.com slash crypto 101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way. Etoro is crypto trading made easy. All right, back to the show. That's really cool. Yeah. So if I were to get a, a digital security, you wouldn't exactly send a token to my wallet. You might just send me like a PDF verifying that my name has been added to this ownership registry. Is that correct? Actually, the idea of digital securities is that you have ownership of the of the security itself. So you have the token. Okay. So once you have the token, you have the rights that are associated. Okay. Uh, so how do I safely store all of my digital security tokens? Is there anything like that at this time? So this is where different solutions come to the market. In, in the crypto world, people that are building security token on top of Ethereum or Tezos and so on, you, you would have a wallet. You need a wallet and you'll have your, your token in the wallet. And this is one of the reasons that, one of the main reasons it didn't catch with the institutional investors because you know a big uh, uh, pension fund is not going to hold a wallet. Uh, it's not how they manage things. And so this is how it's done in the crypto world. In Onera, for example, 
we use the banks uh, or any other financial institution, regulated financial institutions, as the nodes on our network, and they would manage it on behalf of the client. So in, in our platform on Onera, you would go to your bank, you would log in with your bank's username and password. It could be your bank, it could be your broker, it could be any other regulated financial uh, institution that you trust that is on the Onera network. You just go to them, you log in with their username, with your username and password, your standard bank username and password. You get a list of all your uh, private securities and how much money you have to invest, and, and that's it. So in Onera, we simplified it to, to the point that you really don't need to know anything about wallets, you don't need to understand anything about uh, crypto. You don't need to understand uh, anything about private keys and so on. I, I call it the second generation of security token. The first generation security token platforms uh, like... Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The platforms that run on, on Ethereum, if you want to hold the security, you actually have to understand all these things. You have to know how to open a wallet and so on. And that was a major barrier. So uh, that was a long, long answer to, to the short question. But <laughs> the, the answer is, if you're on a crypto network trying to do securities, uh, then yes, you need to hold them in your wallet most times or have, uh, you know, or hire or pay for, for uh, intermediary to hold them for you. Uh, there are companies that provide such a service. 
uh, if you're on an era, uh, you just log in with your bank or your provider and you just see the stock there. You don't need to, to know about the wallet. That's really cool that, you know, that huge barrier to entry has now been eliminated because, you know, with something like a bank or, you know, something even like Prime Trust, if you can just hold your securities on there, I mean, that, that makes things so much easier to get big money finally into this space. And we've been hearing about this technology coming for the past couple of years, uh, just finally trying to wait and see, you know, when this huge wave is going to hit. Where is digital securities in terms of legal regulation and technical advancement? This year was uh, was supposed to be the grand opening. Uh, we were supposed to launch our network uh, pretty much now. But obviously, the crisis has put some uh, breaks into this. Uh, I think potentially temporarily and potentially would actually be a driver to to faster adoption of this technology as, as the whole world is kind of going to be looking into into digital solutions to, to make everything more efficient. But uh, I would say that uh, we've had a delay, uh, probably a six-month delay uh, in the deployment. So probably we're looking at, uh, at uh, this year, end of this year for, for various uh, deployment in the institutional space and then next year uh, to go forward. In terms of regulation, I would say that the primary element, the, the, the issuance, uh, which is basically replacing existing issuance of private securities, that's in terms of regulation, that, that is covered today. We've done that two years ago. Uh, uh, when I say we, I mean the industry have done this two years ago. At Onera, we can do it today. So primary issuance is easy, and that replaces the existing scenario. When you want to go into secondary trading, which doesn't exist in the world today, there's no secondary trading of private uh, securities, very little secondary trading, or very minimal, that world still is being developed. Uh, so that world uh, is not completely solved, I would say. This is something that we're still working on uh, with regulators. Some regulators are more advanced, others are less advanced. And in that uh, specific area, I do see uh, some breakthroughs this year in, in 2020, because I'm seeing regulators approving it across multiple countries, uh, Japan, UK, uh, France, uh, in Israel, and, and I think that in the US as well, eventually. What about your business and the things that you're building, what about it excites you the most for the potential for perhaps, you know, the average consumer? I think it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting question to answer without actually showing you a demo, because when you see the demo, you get it. It's like first time you see Spotify or the first time you've seen Uber. Okay. The demo takes two minutes to show. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you say, Oh, I get it. And all you see in the demo, right, is log into your bank account, a list of private securities, and you say, I like this one, and you click invest, and you put in $10,000, and you click invest, mm. and then this private security is yours. And then you go to the bank's dashboard, and you open their live cap table, and suddenly they have a new owner, and it's you. Okay? That's all. It takes two minutes to demo. But what you've just uh, witnessed when you see this demo, you've seen the the the, the Netflixication, you know, of of the of the ownership world. You're seeing a replacement of processes that would take you weeks, sometimes months, pages and pages that you have to go through and sign manually. Money that you have to send to escrow bank, and then uh, you get the securities, and and so on. All of this is replaced by a three second settlement. Mm. Okay, that, that's fascinating. It's, it's, yeah, it, so it, that's that's it, the exciting part. Does it all? Does it also do that for things that are publicly traded? So, for instance, 
you know, if I'm in my bank account, a lot of people who are my age, you know, millennials, as you'll call them, you know, they don't have a, a, a brokerage account through Charles Schwab. They're not actively, you know, going in and out of stocks or, or whatever for, for several reasons, mainly because it's just, you know, too confusing. They don't want to set up another account. But if you could do, you know, a three click from your bank account, very easy, it shows you, um, you know, I'm buying, you know, instead of holding, you know, $500 in my bank account, maybe I'll order, uh, you know, half a share of Amazon or whatever. Um, is, is something like that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is where I see the market going. Um, actually, there's on, on our website, onera.io, uh, there's a video that I recorded uh, just showing how, how simple and easy it is. And it is practically, as you said, you log into your bank account or to your uh, broker's account or whatever account is connected to the network. You see a little list of assets. You see how much money you have. You click invest. Three seconds later, it, it's actually yours. You're on the cup table okay, uh, of, of this uh, private company or in the future, it could be public companies as well. Um, and and I, I would say it this way, the, the big big kind of uh, change that we're bringing to the market is in the private world because in the private world everything is manual everything is signed documents and excel sheets and, and what have you in the public uh, section in the public world there is already a way to buy an apple an apple share so it's not going to be the first it's not the lowest hanging fruit for something like onera but it's definitely the next stage because we can bring so much efficiency to this process for example, I'll give you one example of an efficiency. If Apple wanted to give uh, you know, all their holders, all their shareholders a dividend tomorrow morning, the process to, to give the dividend in actual money, not, not in, in, in uh, just giving them more share, actually giving them money is going to be, is very difficult because they have to get to, to all of these holders and it's, it's almost, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hardly done. If Apple wanted to give, uh, if Apple was, or if a company was on a digital platform like Onera and they wanted to give a dividend, Evident, right? They basically have to click a button, and on all the accounts of all of their uh, uh, holders, the money will just simply appear. It will take one second to do. So that means you can pay a dividend, uh, you know, uh, every month, or you can pay a dividend every hour if you want. I've seen you know companies do do that as well. Wow! So you know, new things are, are really exciting uh, once you go to digital. Um, but as I said, the low hanging fruit, the first thing that we're driving innovation in is in the private sector because there everything is kind of manual and, and cumbersome and slow. That's yeah, you amazing. Prove it out, you, you prove it out there on a small scale uh, and then, you know, it, you, you prove it out, right? And then everybody kind of comes on board. That's, that's an interesting statement because, you know, you're saying uh, small scale and these companies are, are smaller than Apple, but you know what? Look at the capacity of the stock exchange. The stock exchange market can, can launch, I don't know, 10 companies a year, 20 companies a year. There are 40,000 companies that could go, uh, you know, that, that could go out for, for, for raising financing. And by the way, I, I, want, to, I want to connect it to, to the current crisis because I'll tell you what I think is happening right now. I was just going to ask you to do that. I love that you out. said that. Okay. Because here's what I think. We went into this crisis uh, and two things are being really, really kind of hurt by, 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 by the virus. One is our health and the other is our, our financial economy, is, is, is our uh, ability to work and, and make a living and not be unemployed, right? And all countries that I know, most countries at least, prioritize health over economy. 
to begin with. And that makes total sense. Okay. You go into, a, into, you don't know how big it's going to be. You have to control it and so on. But now we're starting to talk about the exit strategy and the exit strategy is going to be all about the economy. And where is the biggest problem? The biggest problem is private companies. They are going to need financing. They're going to be in, tribe, in trouble. I'm talking to bankers and they're telling me that now they're in triage mode. Basically, they have to decide which companies to help and which companies are dead anyway. And a lot of it had to do because in the private market, raising capital is extremely complicated, inefficient, non-scalable. You have to find a person. You have to give them a phone. You have to convince them. Uh, you can't go to people from another country because the, 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 the regulation is too difficult to, to overcome. It's, it's, it's small scale. And therefore, a lot of companies are going to be suffering. And I think that by going digital, right, you will be able to help a lot more companies going out of a crisis like this. Maybe we're slightly late for this one. Not if we can you know, deploy things within the next like six to nine months, then you know, we can still be effective now. But if we could really help those private companies meet their financial uh, uh, capital raise needs, we can save a lot of companies, we can save a lot of jobs. And I think this is as important uh, to people as, as the health kind of uh, uh, situation is because a lot of people are suffering from the economy as much as others are suffering from health. And I know, you know, uh, first thing is, is people's lives and I get all that and I agree. But I think going out of the crisis we need to find better and more effective ways of dealing with uh, with uh, ownership and and helping private companies and and you know after after a market like this there's going to be some change and the question is will the banks step up to the challenge and deliver those digital solutions that people need in order to be more efficient um, or are we going to see more of the same which will cause a lot of companies to go bankrupt something you mentioned earlier uh, just how few companies get to list on the stock market every year. I remember in previous conversations we've had, you know, people have mentioned it costs, you know, nearly or even over a million dollars for a company to do an IPO or even a reg A offering if they want to go create a, a digital security token on Ethereum. But what is the cost for a company to digitize their ownership? So I, I would say that the cost for, uh, in the public stock exchange, it depends on the, on the, on the, on the market. But in some some places, uh, big markets, it can be five million dollars, not a million dollars. Um, and especially, uh, not only that, you have ongoing uh, costs. That's nuts. As well. In Onera, that's that's ab- absolutely nuts. And therefore, you see a lot of private companies delaying uh, going uh, uh, to IPOs or finding other things like uh, you know reverse, uh, you know, uh, going into the market uh, through other ways. So, in in the digital world the cost is going to be significantly reduced. I'm talking about uh, uh, a few tens of thousands for the small companies to a few hundreds of thousands for the, uh, for the larger companies. And I know this hasn't been the case until now because the platforms were not deployed and they were not still in, in, in scale and efficiency mode, but that's what we're going to see with, with Onera. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that we want to bring we want to bring some liquidity to a illiquid market. So once you start have to, having trade, right, then you can amortize the, the initial cost of going public from the future revenues from trade over the next whatever fifteen to twenty years. Right, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's super super interesting stuff. And you know, I'm kind of curious, like from your background, what inspired you to make this company? 
aside from any other company that you could have made? Like, why was this the necessary thing? You know, uh, I saw I saw a, a tweet. I remember who, who, who tweeted it about um, the difference between uh, initiatives that the, the founders that, that choose an initiative, whether an initiative that choose a founder. So this one, actually, I didn't choose mm. it. It, cho- it chose me, pretty much. Um, I, I, w- I was set out to to create a, a VC fund. Okay. And in order to do the VC fund, I had uh, I wanted to do uh, uh, digital securities or security tokens to to fund this fund. So I built a platform because nobody would give me a platform. So uh, you know, me and my partners, we just built a platform. I I, I brought my CTO from a previous company, and then you know we sat down and, and built it. And and what we were told by the market was uh, the fund is nice, so we'll give you <laughs> we'll give you a bit of money to to to, to invest. But but what's really interesting is the technology, this new thing that you invented. And then I, I I was drawn into that. So I, I wasn't set out to invest uh, to invent security tokens. I was set up to start a fund. Uh, so it it, all, it practically chose me rather than rather than the other way around as as it was in some of my previous companies. Very cool. I love it. That's an awesome story. Build something that is just you built out of necessity, essentially. Um, and I, I think that's where where a lot of the greatest innovation comes from. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Is that what they say? Yep. <laughs> it's very very true as well. So outside of anything that you're currently working on, uh, what else kind of is sparking your interest in in the blockchain and crypto world uh, that doesn't have to do with anything you're working on that you think is like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, I want to see a lot more stuff come out of that sector, that little, that area. So uh, yeah, like many others, um, uh, I consolidated all of my crypto and and in the end, I, I found myself holding just Bitcoin. So uh, you know, I, I was I was a little bit uh, frustrated with some of the projects uh, out there, and I ended up uh, holding just Bitcoin. But I'm I'm interested in, in you know in technologies that make uh, make this world more more easily available to people you know outside the crypto space. I, I think we need to go into into a market where it's not just crypto people, where it is people in general that are using this technology. So one company that I've been following is a company called Fireblocks. And, and what they do, for example, is they, they just make it, um, you know, they, they're bringing security technology into making uh, uh, assets, you know, transparent and efficient and fraud-free. You know, fraud is, is something that uh, everybody's talking about. So it, it's more about, what are the building blocks that are required uh, to bring crypto to the to the masses? Because there was a big promise uh, about crypto, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And if I found myself to, as a big supporter of crypto, two years down the line, holding just Bitcoin, then we, you know, the, the crypto community, I think, needs to do a, a, a rethink about, you know, how can we break out from our own uh, crypto circle into the outside world? And, and technologies like that one is, is, I think, is the answer. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm a big fan of Fireblocks and what they do for uh, institutions. And I can't wait to see them continue to evolve into uh, making a retail product available. I think that's what's really going to help uh, make things explode. But um, Crypto.com has something similar where you can now just uh, import your user contacts from your phone and you can send crypto to a name that's already saved in your phone rather than having to worry about an address or anything like that. So I think at least in the short term, that's a really good solution. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, 
sending and receiving crypto has to become a much more seamless and fearless thing. Because even now, you know, if I'm typing in an address, I have to double check it, triple check it, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm completely sober, not too tired, not sick. You know, I need to be like in a proper state of mind before I'm going to send anything. And crypto shouldn't have to have those kinds of safeguards. I had I had this experience when I I, I bought some uh, EOS at, at some point in time, and then I wanted to send it to 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 another account, and you know I couldn't do it. I just couldn't get it done. I would I, I downloaded five different wallets, and I sent it with one, and it wouldn't send. And I sent it with another, and it wouldn't send. And then I did the exact same thing a day later, and it actually sent it. And I was oh great, what did I do different now? I don't know. Okay. This is not an experience that that uh, mass market people can work with. If I couldn't get it to work and, and needed to you know to call people to see what am I doing wrong here and research and so on. And in the end, transaction suddenly decided it wants to go through where two seconds later it, it didn't. So this is why when I designed the the uh, interface for Onera, I designed it and you can see it in the demo as I said on the website, where between the moment you log in and to your bank account and you do the transaction and you finish with the transaction, you never hear the words wallet, blockchain, crypto, uh, 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 private key, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, public key. You don't need to know all this stuff because as long as we ask people to know these things, okay, then it will remain uh, just crypto people, uh, you know, trading among themselves. So uh, I'm kind of curious, who in this crypto industry uh, do you find very admirable, very inspiring? What what individual has made an impact on the way that you you live or you work? So uh, you know the, there are, there are many people in the um, in the space, and and you know uh, one of my uh, my my partner my partners in, in crime in in Onera is a guy called Alon Gorin, um, who is um, uh, who started uh, a fund and also has a, a conference in in, uh, in Los Angeles and and recently uh, Tim Draper joined them and, and became part of their team and I I know Tim since you know he was an investor and and a board member in one of my earlier companies in my career and I watched so I, I knew Tim Draper before he went into uh, I I met him several times and I was following his his work he was one of the first people that was talking very early on about uh, Bitcoin and about uh, uh, blockchain and so on, and uh, you know, inspired a lot of people. So I think Tim is definitely one figure that I would say uh, is an inspiration in this space. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, hopefully, we'll get a chance to run into Elon uh, the next time uh, uh, we have that crypto conference in LA. We're big fans of that. And then, lastly, uh, before we let you go, Ami, we really appreciate your time and insight here. The final question we always ask our guests is if this is the first podcast someone getting into the space heard, what would you want? Um, I would want them to know that, um, you know, five years from now, uh, or maybe, uh, you know, five, anywhere between five and 10 years from now, uh, owning assets will be digital. It will be, uh, you know, it will be the same way that today, if you want to listen to a piece of music. You just open your Spotify or your iTunes and you click a button. You don't have to buy a record, okay? In the same way, owning an asset, you'll just open your phone, you'll see the asset, and you'll just get it. And you won't have to do the equivalent of buying a record, which is to go and talk to lawyers and sign documents and so on. So everything in terms of ownership is going to be digitized within the next five to 10 years. It's just a matter of time. Wow. Ami, thank you so much. Uh, everyone listening in Crypt Nation wants to know where they can get a hold of you. Do you have a Twitter or something that you'd like to share? 
Yes, my Twitter is at, at Ami Ben David. A-M-I Ben B-E-N David. Fantastic. Um, and yes, and my website, onera.io. Fantastic. Well, everyone, go on and check it out. It's a beautiful website, and we're definitely going to keep track of everything you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Encrypt Nation, we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.